With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Open Floor. I'm John Gonzalez, joined by SI's own Rohan Nodkarni. Ro, happy post-Thanksgiving. How was it? It was good, John. I did a lot of cooking this year. You know, I, I get to do all yeah. the cooking at home, which is exciting. Yeah, I made, you know... I made my own fried chicken recipe for the first time. My parents bought me a deep fryer for Thanksgiving just so I could fry this chicken, and that was thrilling. But I am, you know, they put you to work. They bought you something to put you to work. (laughs) Exactly. I love cooking on Thanksgiving. I will say I've been home um, almost two weeks now. Mm -hmm. You know, taking advantage of I get to fly home a little bit earlier. You get the cheaper flight, but I am, I am reaching my breaking point of time spent in Florida. The just I is used that, to is that family purpose uh, or is it like geographical? I used to think this wasn't a thing, but the culture shock of going from Los Angeles to Florida is mm. now extreme, and <laughs> just it's still hot here. It's like eighty eight degrees and humid every day, even right. in November. Just a lot of unruly. No need to be this sized pickup trucks in the Publix parking lot every day. Like, you don't need a monster truck to go to Publix. Yeah. Um, well, evidently you do. Yeah, it's a fascinating place. It's a fascinating place. Uh, well, come back to Los Angeles. We're, we're waiting on you. It sounds like you had a good Thanksgiving. I'm glad for that. Uh, and I'm glad for basketball. We have a lot of basketball yeah. to discuss later in the show. Almost everybody, Row has played, what, 20-ish games mm-hmm. so far which represents the quarter mark of the season. We're going to do something never been done before. We're going to hand out the quarter mark awards. Nobody's ever had that idea. No. We're the first show I, to do it. We're, so we're, I just we're going to give say, out some early awards. Go ahead. I, I was looking at the standing study. You mentioned how like most teams have played 20 games worth the quarter mark. Mm-hmm. 
Somehow the Lakers have played, I think, 18 or 17. I think they might. Sure. They, like, what is going on there? I, I want to know why Why such few games. It's weird. I don't like it. This has been a I'm, weird NBA season. It's been unsettling for me so far. It has been a weird NBA season. I'm glad you brought up the Lakers. You're a professional broadcaster. <laughs> Wonderful transition. We're going to run off some news first before we go through the quarter mark awards. Lakers beat the Spurs, won their fifth uh, game in the last six AD is expected back today as they face the Pacers. Are the Lakers fixed? You know, I wrote about AD late last week. Fixed is maybe strong. It's funny. They've they've had mm-hmm. this in quote unquote incredible stretch. They've been pretty decent lately. You look at the teams they beat, it's been like the Spurs, the Pistons, the Nets. They don't have a bunch of great wins. They're still not even in playoff, like or play-in seating you know obviously there's three quarters of the season to go but there's still like three games behind i think just or three wins behind just of a playing spot yeah they're seven and eleven three games out of that playing spot uh by the way only two games ahead of the houston rockets who are bringing up the rear in the western conference so fix might be strong but you know, I think AD was having a five-game stretch where he had averaged, I think it was 33.2 points, I wrote in my story. It's the most he's averaged since his first year in LA in almost exactly three years. Early December 2019 was the last time he averaged that much over five games. You remember that first year in LA, John? AD actually led the team in scoring. That was the one of the better versions of the Lakers that we've seen over the last few years. Obviously, they ended up winning the championship that year. In the bubble... I don't know that they are fixed, but I think if AD is playing the way he is playing and you you think AD is now playing as opposed to just, say, a top 25 player, closer to a top 15 player, then you have to start asking yourself even more than you've been asking yourself, is it worth it to make some of these trades that have been out there, which I'm sure we're about to discuss, but... That's really the thing about the Lakers is if AD is playing as well as he's playing and that's sustainable, then then the outlook on what they need to do with the roster changes a little bit. All right. So, yeah, the AD that they traded for that got them that bubble championship has been only intermittently seen. And I think we saw him before he got injured and it's a totally different team. And of course, you know, getting LeBron back certainly helps. Uh, but you mentioned some trades again, uh, expert transition by you i wanted to run this past you espn's dave mcmenamin reported that that uh miles turner buddy healed deal that was on then off might be on again in the future uh very interesting that they're playing the pacers tonight but i'll just run through that again miles turner and buddy healed for russ and a 2027 and 2029 first round pick uh or picks which are the only two that they could potentially trade because they've moved all of the rest of their draft capital uh, to New Orleans uh, in that heist. So do you like that deal? Because here's the other thing. The Pacers somehow are kind of plucky this year, and they're fourth in the Eastern Conference as we record this. Yeah, I do think, if anything, that maybe is kind of working in favor of the Pacers making a trade. I mean, do they want to remain first? Or fourth in the conference, right? I mean, don't they want to tear this down? Like, what's their ceiling? I think they need to start losing sooner rather than later, to be frank. And I, I hate talking about teams that way. They've they've had some good moments, but I just don't think that it's in their, their interests um, to continue to win games. 
I think I do like. I wanted to look up Miles Turner's three point percentage. I mean, he's historically been a pretty good shooter. Yeah, he's at forty three point one percent from three this year on three point six attempts per game. That would probably, I think, make him immediately the best three point shooter on the Los Angeles Lakers, which would be wild. Um, which would, and that's before we even get into Buddy Heald. So, I go back and forth, John, on whether they should use both first round picks in the Heald Turner trade. Or if they should try to do two trades with one first-round pick in each. For what it's worth, I mean, I think Russell Westbrook has been pretty good for them this year. Um, You know, coming off the bench, he seemed to have bought into that role. By the way, I just wanted to check, yes, uh, Miles Turner would immediately be the best uh, three-point shooter for the Lakers. Sure. Um, Unless you want to count Max Christie and his point seven or 1.2 attempts a night but i go back and forth on whether they should make two trades or make that one i do think if you got turner in you know is he going to close games for you i still think your best look is with ad at the five although i do think turner because of his shooting can play alongside ad i think one thing that's made davis so good over these last few games is he's he's being really forceful getting into the paint getting to the free throw line especially, are you going to lose some of that if you get Turner? Um, or is he, you're just going to plant him in the corner? I think that's an, a discussion worth having. So I think before the season I was all for that trade. Now I'm still pro. Listen, if you have LeBron and AD playing the way they're playing, this should be a playoff team. And so you got to be very careful about the moves you make because – like you mentioned, they don't have a lot of ammunition to go out no. and make a bunch of moves. Is it better to do all f- both first-round picks in this one trade or see if you can make multiple moves? At some point, and I get that you, you, like, you don't want to waste whatever's left of LeBron, but at some mm-hmm. point, don't the Lakers... Isn't it kind of like criminal for them to be like, yeah, sure, we'll also trade away our last two picks that we can move uh, for the foreseeable future in the 2027 and 2029 first-round picks? At some point, like, don't they have to at least consider a little bit what this thing looks like down the line? Because 2027 no. and 2029 is going to get here sooner than later. I, I know that they probably don't think that way because they go, we, we got LeBron and we got AD, and, and screw it, let's just move forward. Here's the other thing. You, you had mentioned, like, don't the Pacers need to start losing sooner than later? McMenamin brought this up in his piece, and I thought it was, like, low-key kind of savage, but I loved it, and it's a good point. Herb Simon, who's the owner of the Pacers, is 88. Like, is he? he's not around for the long haul either, right? So he might go, hey, they're, they're fourth. This is kind of fun. Let it ride. I know that's horrible, that horrible is, to say, but it's the truth. That is... That is, I have never heard of an owner's age being brought up in that context before, but that is very interesting. I will say just real quick about should the Lakers worry about the future? A, no. B, you don't you don't trade for LeBron and AD, or you don't trade for AD and sign LeBron and worry about the future. And beyond that, one one thing I'll add is I mean, that fair the, enough. It's I mean, Lakers, you, when you put yeah. it like that, no. <laughs> It's it's not that the Lakers have no first round picks until 2029 if they were to trade two of them. They just they can't would, move you know them. they have a couple swaps in there. Yeah. yeah, they just can't move them. So they would be theoretically adding a couple younger players um, in the back half of the first round theoretically over the next couple years. So it's not like they'd be literally adding no draft talent. So 
I'm all all for I'm banging the table even for them to trade these picks. The Herb Simon thing, that is, yeah, wow. Um, did not think of it that way, but even he's got to be like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I want to leave it better than I found it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, if I was him, I'd like, be like, do I want to hey, watch like a, Do I want to watch like the seventh seed? I don't know. I yeah, don't know if that's better. Um, but uh, the Lakers should do something. I think is the point I'm trying to make. So you're you're all in on the Lakers trying to get in, like to basically a play in position. Again, the they're West only two games up this... on the bottom of the conference. Who does anyone feel like a big favorite to you in the West this year, especially? I mean, aside from the world-beating Sacramento Kings, no. Uh, the, that conference <laughs> is completely up for grabs. So I, I get your point. I just don't know that in a world where all of these teams are in the mix, you I mean, you could legitimately go through down to what? Like, I mean, every team that's in the mix right now, you could you could make a case for even like including the Dallas Mavericks who are on the outside of that play in position looking in. You know who I'm you know who I'm crossing off by the way? The Timberwolves. You know, I kind of skipped over them too for that same exact <laughs> reason. I'm I'm down on them as well. But but in that world where you you could make a case for like 10 different teams potentially coming out of the west, are you adding in number 11 the Los Angeles Lakers? I'm I'm higher on the Miles Turner fit than most people. I think I'm I'm willing to say that they can they can sneak into the fringe contender mix with the right moves. What those moves are, I don't know. That's why Rob Palinka signed the extension. It's for him to figure out. But LeBron and AD are still so good. Like there, you should be able to have at the very least a playoff team with them, and you should be able to somehow build some kind of a contender around them. Yeah, I guess the die is already cast for that, right? I mean, they already made those moves. They already know what this is. They're going to mm-hmm. ride it until the wheels come off, and uh, maybe that's a season. Maybe it's not. We'll keep an eye on uh, that potential trade. One more thing, a uh, bit of news that I wanted to run past you before we go to the quarter mark awards. There are reports that the Mavs are going to sign Kemba Walker. How do you feel about that? You know, I was happy when Kemba Walker signed with the Knicks. Homecoming signing. I always love those. Tibbs has had a history of getting the most out of point guards. And when it didn't work there, not that I thought he was going to change the fortunes of that team dramatically or anything like that, but that was a rough stint for him. Mm -hmm. An underrated trade in recent NBA history is Kemba Walker for Al Horford for the Celtics. Um, (laughs) One of the most impactful NBA trades of the last few years. I don't think Kemba's going to change the fortunes of this team. It's funny. I was reading the story that Tim McMahon of ESPN wrote. And, you know, Tim does a great job. He mentioned Luka's getting doubled, trapped, and picking rolls, and they need a secondary guy. Do you think teams are going to stop trapping Luka just because Kemba Walker's on the perimeter? Or this Kemba is Walker the question might I wanted handle to the ball? This is the question I wanted to ask you. Like, where? how, how much do you think Kemba has left? Because... You know, he goes to New York and there are mitigating circumstances there. You've got to factor in Thibodeau being Thibodeau. Uh, I can never like really parse what players can actually do on a Thibodeau team because he's his rotations are sh- so short. He locks in on guys. Mm-hmm. You never know like, you know, how much of it is 
the starters being run out there for like 38 to 40 minutes per game and like running up their counting stats as opposed to, you know, are they actually good? And then the guys who fall out yeah. of favor, are they bad or is it just that they're in Thibodeau's doghouse? So I'm putting that question to you. Like, how much do you think Kemba actually has left? And like, how much of what we saw in New York was, you know, him not playing well versus like him being on a Thibodeau team? I mean, if you think about the last time Kemba was on a contending team, the 2020 Celtics, I mean, the Heat were targeting him relentlessly in that Eastern Conference final series over and over again. Goran Dragic, remember, had a huge series basically going at Kemba Walker. So even if you think Kemba has a little bit left as a score, which I'm dubious of at this point, frankly, defensively he creates a whole other issue for the Mavericks, right? They're already having some trouble playing their two best offensive players together in Kemba and Christian Wood because of some defensive concerns. You get Kemba in the mix there. The defense is going to be a massive issue. I just I don't know what the role is for him at this point in his NBA career. I'm not saying he should be out of the league, but especially on a contending team, if the idea that, that he's going to take the pressure off Luka, I don't see it. And... They're really missing Jalen Brunson, who we haven't talked much about this podcast about the Knicks. Jalen Brunson's having a hell of a season, man. Yeah, like he's he's playing fantastic. Um, I think the Knicks are just okay, but that's been a really good signing, and I've been a fan of his. I I just don't see Kemba moving the needle for the Mavericks. Let me put it that way. It's kind of wild, like how quickly he (sighs) fell off. It reminds me a little bit. You know, they're they're different players. But it reminds me a little bit of how quickly Isaiah Thomas fell off. Like mm-hmm. one minute, it was like everybody was talking about him on the Celtics and um, playoff Isaiah. And like he, he was he looked so good. And then like the next minute, he was functionally out of the league. Right. And like Kemba goes to New York. He falls out of favor. And now we're like, eh, maybe the Mavs might sign him. I don't know. And he doesn't have anything left. Well, I think it's illustrative that you bring up Isaiah Thomas because I think what it's showing is, is with the way the league is headed, first of all, the point guard position's loaded. Secondly, if you're a score-first player and you're undersized or you've had injury issues, you have to be either be A, really good at scoring, or bring something else to the table because you will just – you cannot hide defensively in this league anymore. And the, the, the Kembas, the Isaiahs of the world – once that scoring falls off a little bit, the calculus on that kind of player becomes a lot different. Can they have a bench role maybe for the right team? Yes. Can they be a truly meaningful contributor to a contender? I don't know anymore just how how difficult that position is in this league and um, how, I don't want to say literally one-dimensional these guys are, but when scoring is kind of like your far and away best attribute, mm-hmm. if that falls off even a little bit, you're in a tough spot. The Mavs could definitely use the help. I don't know that it's Kemba, but we'll see. I want to mention, though, that after the Bucks beat up on the Mavs, Luca, who's your guy, said that Giannis is, quote, the best in the NBA. And I mentioned this because earlier you did a transition. Boom, I just did a, tra- a transition. <laughs> We're going to do the quarter mark awards. We're going to start with the MVP. I'll let you go first. Is Luca right? Is Giannis the best in the M- NBA? And is he your quarter mark MVP? This is funny because we 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 did this story. I think we did the first month awards or mm-hmm. something, and I think I had Luca as my pick just because the, the counting stats were insane. And listen, there are some really good candidates for this award. I don't think Luca is going to win the Mavs 
this recent road swoon, um, I think, has knocked him out of the first quarter awards. I think Giannis would be a great pick. We were having an argument in our group chat recently about why there's not more debate about the consensus best player in the NBA. And it's almost like Giannis read our text because he's gone off for like, I think, 38, 37, 36, then a 30 last night. In the last four games, he's been dominant. I think you can make an argument for Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. who has been fantastic, and the Celtics offense is disgusting. But I'm going to pick none of those guys. Really? I'm going to go with a little-known player named Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors. A little bit of a swerve here. Listen, the Warriors have won three in a row. All right, I think they're at 10-10 and 10 now. So not quite world beaters. But I think Curry is... The argument, I think, for Jokic for MVP last year over Embiid, which I know you were one of those crazy Embiid people. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah wild to think that a guy who plays despondent. at both ends of the floor. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. And let me explain it to you, John, because they Please. love to say Embiid, he plays both ends of the floor. <laughs> is I think the two players in the league who make their teammates better more than any, and it's it's not close. They're in their own stratosphere. It's Nikola Jokic and Stephen Curry, okay? And, and that was a separating factor for Jokic and Embiid last year. It's it's the way Jokic can elevate a supporting cast. And I think that is what Curry has done this year. I mean, what have the conversations been about this team? Poole doesn't look the same. Uh, Clay Thompson's having a completely up and down year. Andrew Wiggins has been fantastic, but what do you think changed Andrew Wiggins' career? It's probably playing off of Stephen Curry. Uh, how many times have we said Draymond looks different playing on any other team in the NBA? Uh, you know, it doesn't work unless he's playing with Steph Curry. Uh, Steph's Curry averaging 31.4 points a game, 7.1 assists, 6.8 rebounds. Uh, think about his stats during his unanimous MVP season. That year he was at 30 points, 5.4 rebounds, 6.7 assists. So he's having a better year than the year he was the unanimous MVP um, you know, it's not a career high in scoring. That was two years ago, the 21 season. Um, but the counting stats are there. And for me, that that's, that's always been a huge factor in kind of what I think about MVP voting is it's not just the counting stats. It's, do you make the, the guys around your team better? And I think pound for pound, Steph Curry, you cannot replace him. You can, you can more easily replace LeBron on the Lakers than you could replace Steph on the Warriors. Um, the the way he just lifts the tide, it's it's remarkable. And I, I think if Steph keeps this up and they keep winning, and I think I expect them to, I think he's a great chance to win. They keep winning is the principal point because, what, as mm-hmm. recently as two weeks ago, we were on this show talking about what's going on with the Warriors where they're trying to take these two paths at the same time, <laughs> playing the young kids and developing them and winning. But lately they've been fantastic, 7-3 and three over their last 10. Uh, you can't mm-hmm. go wrong with Steph. I, I like that pick. Um, for me, I'm not going to go with Steph. If I was actually doing this, if, if we were handing out an MVP award right now for real and I was voting, it would be either Jason Tatum or Giannis Antetokounmpo. But we're not. This is just kind of like a fake, like how do we feel about <laughs> okay, this quarter okay. mark? Of the... So I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to read you some numbers here. All right. I don't like this. You're literally reading off of something. I'm 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 looking at the numbers right now. Fifty one point five percent from the field, ninety two percent from the line on eight point eight attempts, 
31.1 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 1.7 steals, and 1.3 blocks per game. Are you kidding me? He's been electric every single night. I know who Can it is. I get a little love for my guy, SGA, in OKC? I mean, like, look, I, I get that OKC is OKC and they're under the radar for a lot of people. He has been so dynamic. Forget about being a superstar down the line. He's one right now. Uh, he hit a crazy shot, or uh, he went to the free throw line, but it, he was going head-to-head against DeRozan in a Bulls-Thunder game that came down to the wire the other night, and it's just him one-on-one, top of the key with DeRozan, gets him on the pump fake, goes to the line for three. Lights out, man. He's been lights out. He's uh, been lights out. You is, know, there, is there... He's, he appears elsewhere on my awards okay. list. Let me All just right. put it, Let me just tease it like that, but... He's been fantastic. There's no question. I mean, the numbers you read are are superstar numbers. They're ridiculous. They're they're like cartoon numbers. And beyond that, you you were mentioning like how he took over the game the other night. Is there a guy in the NBA that you'd rather watch right now? I mean, like I've made this point before. I'll I'll make it one more time. Last year, that leap that we saw Ja make, where it was you can't miss Ja playing. He's playing tonight. I'm watching. Same with SGA this year. Like, there's nobody I'd rather watch in the NBA right now. Well, I don't. I'm not going to go that far. I think that guy, frankly, is still. Jaw I have for gone me. that like, far. I would not, like you to you go know, that far not, with me. <laughs> let's not. Not to be. I know I've been really NFL pilled on the podcast this year because the Dolphins are doing. And so congratulations, well. by the way. Let, Although, let's not do, just quickly, quick aside. Who remind me who has the best record in the NFL? I forget. The birds are frauds, dude. The birds are frauds. Um, <laughs> they, they, they have beaten everybody in front of them except for one team. <laughs> um, but it's like how people are like, is Patrick Mahomes really the best quarterback? Like, well, I'm not. I'm not willing to take away the the most entertaining title from John Morant just yet. Um, he was still making highlight plays at an, an incredible clip. But you're right. I think SGA has become. The, the more important thing to, is there is SGA has become a must-watch player. No matter what the Thunder's record is, no matter who they are playing, you want to see what he's going to do on any given night. And that's been a ton of fun to watch. It has been. Uh, all right, so you went with Steph. I've got SGA with uh, an obvious nod towards Tatum and, and Giannis, who would be like the legitimate vote Giannis, there. Yes, and I do think Giannis is also in great position to win this award. Yeah. I know their offense has slipped recently, but and Brooke Lopez has been probably maybe even a bigger factor for how good their defense has been this year. But for them to have the record they have without Chris Middleton, exactly, they've been fantastic. And, and, and the the Celtics have been absolutely lights out too. So uh, yeah. those two teams at the top of the Eastern Conference, I, I think it, I think ultimately the race. If if those two teams stay where they are, I think the race comes down to Tatum and Giannis. But we'll see. I think uh, I I also think the finals might come down to it. Might and- this is it? We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that! He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's do the coach of the quarter mark. You go again. This is a, always a weird one every year. It's like, do we give it to the team that overachieves? Do you give it um, to the coach of just the best team in the NBA? Um. So there are some good candidates here. I think I know he won this award very recently, so there's no chance he gets it. Uh, to me, there's something to be said about Monty Williams yeah. and the fact that everyone thought the Suns this ride was over. Um, you know, the vibes are terrible. He's held it together there. Chris Paul has missed a ton of time. You look at what Taylor Jenkins has done in Memphis again. They've had just a rotating, a revolving door of injuries. Bain comes back, or Bain's out, Jackson comes back, Morant's out, all the all those guys have missed time. Dylan Brooks, John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Triple J have yet to play a possession together so far this season. Obviously, you got Will Hardy and what he's doing with the Jazz, although the Jazz have taken they a little bit a little of a tumble yeah. here. But I think you gotta go Joe Missoula of You're going Joe. the Boston Celtics. Listen, I I went I came on this podcast and I said coaching has to matter, so the Celtics have to be taking a step back because Udoka was given so much credit. Now, granted, who was giving him the credit? The media apparatus of the Democratic People's Republic of Boston had a had a great role to play in the <laughs> amount of credit Udoka got last year. And you know, I said on this podcast, coaching has to matter, so you have to assume this team is going to take a step back. Instead, they've been far and away the best team. Um, in the NBA's so far this season, record-wise, net rating-wise, I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised that you thought that they'd take that much of a step back because the system's in place, right? I mean, like you're elevating an assistant; all the pieces are the same. They're, it's not like they changed how they play. It, it was kind of like an easy. Not to say that you can set it and forget it. It's not an autopilot situation. There is some like personnel management. Like, how do you deal with individual personality type of deal? But ultimately, like most of that is already baked. 
Yeah, but I mean, you think about it, they lost Hardy too, right? They, so they lose their top assistant, the guy who probably gets the job yeah. if he's still there. This team was like 545 games into last season. So there was evidence also that maybe they could backslide into that. And they also have been playing a little bit differently. I mean, their offense, I wrote about this, it, it maintains their offense would be the best offense in NBA history if it continues at, a cur- at its current pace. Um, they run... I liked it. It reminds me of like a bunch formation. I think I talked about this with Herring. Um, well, they'll put, um, they'll have Jalen Brown and Grant Williams or Jalen Brown and Al Horford set a screen, like a double screen, um, you know, double pin down for Jason Tatum. And every night it's just killing opponents who you have to be so disciplined defensively um, to guard them. And like they've added wrinkles like that that have just taken them to another level. And I, the thing is, even if I thought they'd take a step back, it's not that I thought they'd be average or something, but they've taken a step up, you could argue. I mean, this is this is really, really Yeah, they're really good. It sucks. <laughs> it, it's a bummer. It's, it's a bummer. It's a total bummer, to, but they have been good. We're going to get... We're we're gonna get all kinds of fawning Sam Hauser profiles and Malcolm Brogdon profiles and Marcus Smart is the best all around point guard in the NBA. That how many coming. how many of those have you volunteered to write for SI? A grand total of zero. It's weird. Um, yeah, you know, I think we I think we have that base covered. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough seeing all the Celtics propaganda trickle out over the course of the season all right so you're going with boston and joe uh, you you mentioned a lot of names there monty's a really good one i had will hardy too uh but the jazz have fallen off a little bit so they're starting to come back to earth a little bit which is why i'm reluctant to like stick with that pick let me throw one out at you see if uh see if the cat licks it up here what about mike brown <laughs> that's a great one that's a fantastic one i don't like the phrase see if the cat licks it up <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I also want to add the Jazz are like twelve and ten, which is still a massive accomplishment. It them, is considering how we discussed their roster. But Mike Brown is a fantastic pick. Mike Brown. So you know, I have um, uh, sullied the good name of the Sacramento Kings on more podcasts than I could possibly remember for more companies than I could possibly remember. And with good reason, right? It's been 17 years since they've made the playoffs. There's the the famous stat that everybody laughed at during the playoffs last year that no player in the NBA has faced the Kings in the playoffs, right? Like, which is just mind boggling. That's how long yeah, it's been yeah. since they've been in the playoffs. And I thought that this year was going to be another bad year for them. And so far it has been, look, you know, they're what, two games above 500, uh, so let's not get super carried away, but it has been a fun resurgent year for them. And, you know, they add Kevin Herter, uh, De'Aaron Fox is starting to look really good. I don't know. I mean, like I just didn't expect, I look at the pieces and it doesn't look hugely different than it has in past it, years. It doesn't, it doesn't scream. It doesn't scream like top five offense, shoot yeah. a purple beam into the sky. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's what it's been. And and Mike Brown, like, remember a couple years ago when Steve Kerr was out and Mike Brown took over and, like, the Warriors kept humming along? And, of course, they're the Warriors, so you expect that, right? But Mike Brown's a veteran hand, man. Uh, he's He's been there and he's done that and he's been around a lot of really good teams. And, like, it's kind of – I think he's underrated as a coach. I think he's overlooked as a coach because, yes, going back to his Cleveland days, he had LeBron James and then, you know, he's an assistant and – 
the Warriors are doing well, but he's just around winning teams a lot. And now all of a sudden he takes over the Kings. The Kings are doing well. Kudos to Mike Brown. I don't know if it'll continue, but at the quarter mark, I like Mike Brown. And listen, you bring it. It's not like we look back. It's not like anyone looks back at those Cavs teams, these incredibly constructed rosters. Um, I think his second Cleveland stint. I don't know any coach who would have really succeeded there. And then he gets forced out before LeBron rejoins. So I, I think it's a very good pick, and I'm with you. I do think he's maybe a little bit underlooked in terms of uh, how successful he can be as a coach. And I hope they keep this up because it's been a lot of fun. It has been fun. Uh, and as we continue these awards, we're handing out awards. We're giving gifts, basically. I give that phrase, throw it out, see if the cat licks it up to you. You can deploy it at your will. You see it, see it like, just casually. <laughs> the worst the... part is, the worst part is, as much as I hated it, I yeah. will use it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just casually during the course of conversation in your everyday life, you'll roll yeah. it out there. Uh, you'll see how it goes. All right, next one for you, rookie. Rookie is an interesting one because I think if you're just going by the way he's played, it's going to be Paolo, but he's also missed some time. So where are you on rookie? Yeah, it's still Paolo for me. Yeah. Um, He just got up to such a crazy hot start to the season. That's kind of like how it goes with rookie of the year too. It's like, because oftentimes they're on bad teams and it's like, this guy was good for the first 15 games. Then we kind of stopped caring. Um, unless it was like the Donovan Mitchell Ben Simmons year, which was ridiculous, and I'm sure you had a lot of thoughts about that as it was happening. Um, but I think it's still Paolo for me. I, again, I like what I've seen from so much of this class. Um, you know, the Rockets Hawks game the other night, Jabari Smith Jr. has an awesome putback, and I know that a little people expected him to be the number one pick. He hasn't left off the page like some of these other guys. So it was nice to see him have kind of like a big moment late in the game there. Keegan Murray's been really good for the Kings, as we mentioned. Um, a lot of good look rookies up and down the league, but I think it's still got to be Paolo. Yeah, the Magic uh, are, were frisky, you know, to start this year. They were, and and he looked so dominant. I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I'm with you that it's Paolo. Um, he's clearly, you know, I exp- I thought that he was going to be good. I liked that they decided, you know, because there was a lot of talk about Jabari Smith Jr. going first, and then all of a sudden it was Paolo, and everybody was like, okay, you know, what about that switch? Are they going to regret it? I thought that was the right move uh, all along. But, man, he so exceeded my expectations. Like, man amongst boys already. Uh, so, like, he reminds me a lot of, of Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum didn't, like, get shot out of a cannon to start his career. Yeah. And that's the way that Paolo's looked. You mentioned uh, the Ben Simmons, uh, Donovan Mitchell year. I had less of an opinion about that one. I thought it was supposed to be Ben Simmons. It was Ben Simmons. That was fine by me. <laughs> the Malcolm Brogdon sure over Joel Embiid, Embiid year. Oh my god! That was the one that I had. I took umbrage with. I thought that that was, like, and I and I'm somebody who. Uh, has really, really come around on Malcolm Brogdon. I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. I think he's an incredible player. He's injured a lot, but when he's out on the floor, he can do so much for you, especially offensively. But I thought that was absurd. I'll take two games of Joel Embiid in his rookie season, which I think is how many he played, (laughs) over all of the games that Malcolm Brogdon played. He was clearly the better player and remains the better player. Yet another example, Ro, of the NBA media elite, people like yourself, uh, not giving Joel Embiid the flowers that he's due. First, he's overlooked as Rookie of the Year. Then he's overlooked twice in MVP races. 
John, the best ab- yeah. ability is availability. Okay, that's that's one of the the central tenets of this podcast. Um, yeah. Not one that I came up with, but you know, maybe if Joel Embiid Joel Embiid actually played, you know, half a season his rookie year, he could have been. It's it's rookie of the year, not rookie of this guy played twenty games and it was really good. Um, God, he was so good though when he was out there. He was really good. It was it was crazy. I remember it's like, wait a second, this guy's hitting top of the key threes. Who is this guy? Murdering. It's been out for two years. This is incredible. Um, wow, what a, a, crazy to think how far we've come with Embiid from those days when it was like, is this guy ever going to play basketball? To wow, this guy's incredible. <laughs> um, but should have gotten no, all those I, awards. I, didn't get any of them. I don't feel bad that he didn't win. Again, I blame the media elite like you. Uh, all right. Two more awards that, that a Midwestern second round pick gets the <laughs> well, who was absurd, absurd. Uh, all right. Two more awards. And then we're going to wrap this thing up here. So the what we did for SI.com was another award. So it could be the most improved. It could be an exec. It could be the sixth man. It could be the defensive player. Uh, which way are you going? I want to go for most improved okay. because we we talked about this guy, I think, at length already, but it's got to be the homie Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who, you know, I, I've brought up this story many times now on this podcast, and I'm sure people are sick of it, but I, as I will say now, as I've said that, I was fortunate to go to Oklahoma City a couple years ago to do a story on Chris Paul, but I get to interview Shea Gilgis a couple times, uh, during that week, I was in Oklahoma City as well, and you could tell that Chris Paul, who I don't think, I think Chris Paul likes to be a mentor, but uh, you know, Chris Paul really wanted to win that year. He wasn't going there to just have a year off, or he always wants to, you win. know, you know, be plucky. Like, and they won forty-eight games. That was a really good team. Yeah, and there was a connection he shared with SGA that is rare for someone as young as SGA and someone as hell-bent on being on a title team as Chris Paul to share. And I think that just came from a place of common competitiveness. And that was something that really struck me about SGA from that trip is how badly this guy wants it. I mean, he was young. Uh, you know, he could have been, I want this to be my team. But it was literally like Chris Paul is like, every road trip he comes to my hotel room and just watches film with me. Um, th- this was so early in his career, you know, second or third year. Um, second year, I believe, and just the dedication he showed then to improving, to being a better player, uh, to wanting kind of be treated like a vet, you know, make his routine like a vet. Think about what he did last year when late in games he'd let Josh Giddy handle the ball and he said, I want him to get this experience. This guy's just wise beyond his years, and it's, you know, he's always been really good. He's always been really yeah. good. So I don't even say he's finally put it all together, but to see him have it all together and now continue to take steps forward, it's it's awesome. I'm just really happy for him. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I can't say enough good things about him. I love this pick for you uh, and for him. He deserves it. Uh, I'm sure he'll be thrilled when he finds out that Open Floor has bestowed this prestigious award upon him. Uh, but no, he's been incredible, so that's a good pick. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got one here you're probably not going to like because whenever I I bring him up, it annoys you. But I'm going to go with Executive of the Year, and it's going to go to Utah, man. It's going to go to Dealer Danny. He's still really... Really Daniel good. Daniel Ainge. What's his full name? I'm only referring to him as his full name to counteract all the people who insist on calling him Danny. Uh, I I apply the uh, the dealer component, the modifier, dealer Danny to it. Daniel Ray Ainge. Daniel, Daniel Ray. Ray. You should call him Daniel Ray. I like that. Yeah, for you. I should. That should be a yeah. bit for you. Uh, but you look, think he gets executive of the year? Well, look. I, Again, quarter mark of the season. I'm just saying, as we sit here and record this, and yes, we as we mentioned, the Jazz have fallen off slightly to the three and seven over their last ten, but there's still two games over five hundred, which is miles better than I expected them to be, and miles better than you expected them to be, and miles better than anybody else expected them to be. And in the process, they did it by trading away their two best players. They go they moved Donovan Mitchell and they absolutely pick Minnesota's pocket for Rudy Gobert, right? And then what? They're doing this with smoke and mirrors, man. I mean, like, Laurie Markkinen has had an incredible year. I like the finisher, but, I mean, like, is he a superstar (laughs) in this league? He is not. (laughs) He's a star, and then, like, basically stop right there. You know, like, Mike Conley is a 1,000 years old. Uh, He recently injured but was having a good season. They go and acquire Colin Sexton, who they were barely playing, and still, again, above 500, and they, like, replenish their... Draft picks, they're set up for not just the future, but also the present. What's not to like about what Danny's done? Go ahead. You know what I, you know what I would have liked? Yeah. How about you find a way to build a team around a fringe MVP candidate in Donovan Mitchell? Okay, you want to impress me? How about you find a way, instead of tanking, instead of doing your whole assets, picks, BS that you like to do, <laughs> blah, 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 this thing that gets this thing that gets people like you, the, the coastal elite podcasters, to be like, oh, the... <laughs> Look at the assets. Look at the, look at the I love future asset picks talk. coming in. Oh, I look love at it. The, 
Look at this 2028 second they got. That <laughs> one's going to be really valuable in a couple years You're because right. that's the, you know, blank draft where they could get this stash guy, blah, blah, blah. You know what would impress me? Mm-hmm. Find a way to keep Donovan Mitchell, a guy who didn't request a trade, seemingly didn't want out, was ready to run it back another year. How about you find a way to build a team around him? Then maybe I'll be impressed. I'm 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 not impressed that, that Daniel Ray Ainge somehow finds a way to take advantage of GMs who are making trades that none of us would make. I like none of us would have made the Gobert trade. For some reason an NBA GM was willing to do it. I I don't know that I give Ainge credit for that. I know I'm being a little. But he does it repeatedly, we, right? I mean, like we, it's it's absurd. He does it He's repeatedly. He's done it twice. He's done it twice. Um, I don't and know. And one time it involved a Russian oligarch. Like you know, let's. Well, and then also um, don't let's not forget about let's not forget about the Markel Fultz, Colangelo coup. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And another time it involves a GM with a burner account. It's just like. God, hey, he, he uh, sees the listen, market inefficiencies yeah. and he exploits uh, kudos, them. Yeah, kudos to him. And also, it's just like obviously he's a, a a very accomplished executive, and we like what the Jazz have done here. But I do think it's a little funny that there's you know I don't think it's serious executive of the year chatter, but I would personally just be more impressed if he was able to build a team around Donovan Mitchell than to build a team that's eventually going to turn into a tank squad more likely than not. I don't know fringe fringe playoff team right now who knows this could continue uh but i think it's impressive that he's done it without donovan mitchell let alone with him uh all right last one and then we're gonna we have one more note after this uh and then we'll wrap up the show but the last one is the league pass award which team have you most enjoyed watching so far this is another one that i think my answer is probably gonna be different than what we wrote about not too long ago i think i had the jazz in there um I, you could make a good case for Boston just because of how good their offense Yikes. is. I know it's that would really never bleak. be my league pass team. It's really, it's really bleak how much we've had to compliment uh, Boston on the podcast so far this season. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the Sacramento Kings, and Great this pick. is changing rapidly. It is. It's changing rapidly. But listen, they are literally lighting a bur- purple beam into the sky after the wins. How high does it go? Like, I want to know how high the beam goes, John. Like, oh, if you and I got in a helicopter, we got in a helicopter, we we start on top of the arena and just keep going up. When does it end? When, when does the beam end? Um, Kevin Herter is shooting the absolute synthetic letter, leather off the ball. Sabonis. Yeah, I talked about this. I can't remember if it was with you or Herring, but I think it was Herring. Sabonis is one of the most forceful players in the paint in the league. If you don't get a chance to watch him, you look at him and you're like, this guy, he's one of the most physical guys in the league. Uh, he he hands out punishment in the post no matter who's guarding him. So I think I got to go with the Kings here. But I do think that there's something we said about, I wouldn't say we're at a fun deficit in the NBA, but hmm. you know the Grizzlies have had a bunch of injuries. They're normally a good pick here. I like watching Phoenix, but they're more effective than necessarily entertaining. You know, Giannis yeah, is always clinical. fun to watch. Yeah, but there's not like I don't know that we have like a a home run fun team this year. All right, so the Kings though for fun and for because that's what you think about when you think about your league pass team, right? Like who's mm-hmm. going to entertain me the most? I think that's a great right. pick. It's uh, surprising certainly going into the season. I wouldn't have expected the Kings were usually at the bottom of my league pass rankings. But you want a fun team, 
I've already mentioned it, buddy. I'm going to Oklahoma City. Give me. You only need one guy. You only need one guy to entertain you on a given night, and that guy has been SGA, Shy Gilgis Alexander, all season long, has been, without fail, entertaining. And that's my league pass team. I do not miss his games. I can't. I cannot wait. Every time I look at the schedule, I'm like, whoop, it's an OKC night. I get to watch SGA again. He's going to do something crazy. He's going to dominate whoever is uh, has the... Whoever's drawn the short stick assignment, uh, and it's just been it's been a delight to watch. Plus, you get, uh, you know, when we mentioned Ian Carmel when we did our league pass draft at the beginning of the season, and he drafted OKC because he wanted some weird ish. You get uh, Pokashevsky, you get Giddy, you know, like what? It's Dort. just been a fun team. Yeah, listen, they do have an eclectic mix. Yeah. Um Giddy, Dort, Poku, um. It's a good pick. They have a bunch of fun guys. Um, I don't dislike it at all. I don't dislike it at all. I, I do enjoy watching the Thunder when they play. I'll say that. It's weird. It's weird. I didn't expect that to be the case. Uh, it's been such a strange season, and I think that's underlined uh, by the awards that we've just handed out, a lot of which ended up in Sacramento and Oklahoma City, which I I would not have anticipated, but here we are. No, it's a weird season, man, and I get that it's still early, but I, I just wonder how much longer we can keep saying it's early. Well, um, it's not really, right? I mean, we're we're a fourth of the way through the season. Uh, so but I would point... love to just look up, like, kind of the standings from last year at this point, a quarter of the way through. I mean, remember how the Celtics started so slowly. Yeah, you, yeah, me- yeah, you mentioned about... Boston. Boston was bad through, what, early January, and then all of a sudden put, yeah. put on the Jets. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. You got an email from a listener that you wanted to run past people. I do. First of all, I just want to shout out all the people who email us. Thank you. Thaddeus has continued to write in fantastic emails. Thaddeus will get to them soon. Uh, Our good friend Head has come back with an email that I think we'll get to soon. Um, So thank you to all the people who keep emailing in. I promise you I go through the inbox every day and we're trying to find always the right episode for your emails. Um, Please keep them coming. Overfloormail at gmail.com. But I wanted to shout out uh, David McCullough. David John wrote in Last week after our Laddergate episode, um, we didn't get to get to it just because we weren't going to do two episodes on Laddergate. But I wanted to shout out David because he wrote in. Uh, he said, unfortunately, his mother is in the hospital not doing too well. David, I just want to shout you out. Thank you for listening to the show, man. Uh, you know, wishing you and your family all the best. Hope you guys get through this time. But, you know, thank you to David. Thank you to all our emailers. We appreciate you guys for being just a part of the show as we are. Yep. Uh, thinking of you and your ma. Hope everybody gets through that. Uh, all right. So read Roe on SI.com. Roe will be back on Friday with another episode of Open Floor. I'll be back next Monday with the same. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.